Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. On which side today, I'm delighted to have Kyle, Kyle Lacey, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic, a sales enablement platform. But what that is, he will explain later on. But first of all, Kyle, could you introduce yourself? Yeah. I, hey, I, I am super pumped to be here. Uh, at, the, at the core, I am a father. And uh, on the side, I'm a marketer. I've been doing marketing uh, for over 15 years. And mostly uh, I've spent a lot of time in software. Uh, so SaaS, venture-backed, uh, high-growth companies. So my specialty is usually in high-growth and brand. So that's mm-hmm. where I usually spend the, my time. Currently at Seismic. Could you explain what Seismic is, what, what the platform does to listeners that are not familiar with it? Yeah, so it helps It helps the sales, it helps sales teams. Um, at, all the way from a current pitch to training and coaching. So content management through the sales cycle, you know, if you have to deliver a personalized pitch deck to a customer or prospect, and then uh, helping sales managers train and coach reps. So onboarding faster, making sure that they have the skills they need in order to hit quota. Um, we do a lot of things that the, the product suites, six, seven products, but mainly it is helping a sales rep uh, get more efficient and hit quota. Cool. So one of the things that I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, and I will share a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, of course, but one thing I noticed there is that you had quote, I believe marketing should be responsible for generating revenue. Um, I, we talk a lot about that a lot on the marketing technology podcast. We, we talk about how uh, marketing should be accountable for generating revenue, et cetera. But what's your vision there? Because you you haven't put there that in your LinkedIn profile for nothing, right? So what's, what's your vision? You must have one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think marketing should be leading the creative development of a company. A lot of that's brand and a lot of brand is really hard to measure. And so as I've, as I've been through, I spent two years at a venture capital firm. So I had, I had the opportunity to view some of the best software companies in the world over that two, two year time frame, the companies that we invested in. And then my four and a half years at Lessonly being acquired by Seismic and then, you know, spending now it's nine months at Seismic on the leadership team. I've had the opportunity to, to kind of position marketing in a way that's meaningful. So a lot of brand marketers lead with brand. And I really think your ability to drive revenue for the company gives you a seat at the table, like the board at the board level. And when you have a seat at the table because you're driving revenue, you have an, the opportunity to either ask for more money or have, um, have more autonomy to do cool brand stuff. So an example at Lessonly, we drove a considerable amount of the revenue through inbound, our inbound motion. So we had the opportunity to do a golden llama and a board game and a Lego llama and do cool events that we weren't necessarily, the pressure wasn't put on us from my, my, my leader, my boss, the CEO or our board, because we were efficient on the revenue generating side. So long story short, I think it gives marketers more autonomy to be creative 
and to drive um, to be riskier on the brand side, but it also gives them a seat at the table so they're not constantly fearing about budget cuts because that's usually where somebody goes. If market if marketing's not generating revenue, you are the first budget to get cut. Cool. This and and I love it what you're what you're explaining here. Um, and on the other hand, I'm also a very practical guy, and so are our listeners typically. Um, you're you're uh, envisioning a kind of world where where it's kind of very visible for leaders to see what marketing actually attributed to mm -hmm. the bottom line. How in practice can you can you prove this and show this? How does it work? Do you do you show funnels? What do you measure? How sure? How 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 do you do that? How does a marketer get there? Well, I, I think it really depends on the business model. So you can take this with a grain of salt, depending on the business that you're in. Well, at Lessonly, we were high velocity SMB, like commercial, right? So we were half of our deals were closing in quarter. And so we we used a direct source method, right? Like if you were the direct source of the deal, so you're measuring a demo set and closed one revenue because the sales cycles were so quick, we could do that, right? Mm -hmm. And I, it was very rare that we measured MQ, marketing qualified leads, because uh, the only call to action we had on the Lessonly website was a demo request. So really, it was focused on how many demos are we booking? And what's the conversion rate to close one? And then hopefully, the average sales price or the average contract value is going up, right? We want it to trend up, mm -hmm. we want sales cycles to get smaller, right? Seismic's enterprise. So it's, it's, it's a combination of direct source, but also um, a timeline for attribution because it's a much longer sales cycle, much larger deals. And we measure pipe generated, not necessarily revenue like bookings from a marketing side. So mm -hmm. it really depends on the business model, depends on what success means to the company, but it's either going to be, how do you show that marketing is sourcing demos that close into qualified pipe or revenue cool. all the other stuff like leads marketing qualified leads sales qualified leads all the stuff in the funnel is mostly for you to figure out how to optimize the funnel not for you to report to a board the board cares about two things actually it really cares about one thing and that's revenue revenue growth right mm -hmm. and I, i'm speaking from a vent you know this is uh, Seismic has private equity involved. Lessonly had venture capital. I was at Exact Target, which was venture capital, but also some PE. So, uh, you know, it's a common, you know, if you're a profitable software company, it's still revenue. It doesn't matter, right? It's always revenue generation. So just make sure that you're not getting stuck in the weeds on trying to show the whole funnel when you're reporting up. Your teams can deal with the whole funnel. You shouldn't. Love if it, that makes love sense. It. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And talking about those demos and, and sales enablement, um, I recently, I think I saw a report, I think it was by Gardner or McKinsey, in which was claimed that particularly uh, millennials are uh, basically, but basically they wanted a rep-free sales experience in B2B. Um, so the demos you're talking about might uh, might appeal to older people uh, like like the, the Gen X and what what have you like baby boomers etc. But figures are actually pointing towards a a, a sales rep free environment. Um, yeah. How can sales enablement play a role here? 
Well, I, I mean, you're talking about product led growth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there is always a sales rep. There will always be a sales rep. There's probably going to come a time where you're never going to have to talk to a person to buy software, but any extremely successful product led growth company builds a sales team. You, you can look at Datadog, Calendly, uh, type four, like all of them have, have had to build sales orgs because they move up market. And when you move up market and you have much larger deals and you have more people involved in the buying cycle, you have to have people involved in, in at least managing the process of upselling. Mm -hmm. So we believe that enablement is not only sales, enablement is all, all customer facing people, right? Marketing is involved in enablement. Customer success should be enabled. Sales should be enabled. Sales engineers need to be enabled. The entire company really needs to be enabled. When you have a new messaging and positioning and new personas, you, you need to enable the entire company on that, not just the sales team. So I would argue that any great product-led growth company builds sales teams. Now, they might be much smaller than somebody that's sales-led like Seismic, but they are still building sales orgs. Expensify is a great example of one that built a sales team, but they've remained very small despite their growth in terms mm -hmm. of headcount. So I think it's more headcount management than it is whether sales, whether somebody's not going to have a sales rep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, and I think a lot of what, what you're saying has a lot of truth in it because um, I was talking about it the other day and about this research and uh, there's, of course, there's a difference between what people envision to be the ideal world and and what's good for them, huh? because they do want to have a great product, a great product experience, yeah. but they don't want to talk to people about it. Uh, and those people are actually the ones that can advise and give the best advice on the best products, etc. So what fits best in your situation? So I think there, there's a big difference. But on the other hand, uh, another thing you have on your LinkedIn profile is a quote that B2B should copy B2C whenever possible, right? So, um, yep. and I was just thinking, and I'm always enthusiastic about new ideas, et cetera. So um, the, um, the B2C world for a long time had a lot of products and product-led companies that basically said, our product is never going to sell online. Just for a couple of years, I spoke to, about well, a couple of years ago, I spoke I uh, spoke to people that that claimed like shoes would never be sold online. Cars would never <laughs> be sold online. That That's not going to work. People need to drive yeah. a car. And um, but still people buy cars online. Now. They buy and they don't want to talk to people. I don't understand. I, I, I recently bought an electric uh, Audi and I had to see a dealership. I don't know why, you know, so why, why, why would I? And that's that's an investment that's that might be even. Uh, a higher investment than a typical B2B investment. So um, I'm just I'm just curious, are there any things that you see that that we could learn from B2C uh, and apply in the B2B marketing practice? Sure. Well, I I you know, we were talking about product led. Mm -hmm. I think that I think it's a brilliant business model that's very consumer oriented. And I I do think that it's it is the one of the better ways to build a software company. Eventually, you're going to have sales teams and customer service teams and stuff that just like a consumer product would, right? But mm -hmm. you know, you it's a it's a brilliant. It is the best way, in my opinion, to start a software company is more than that product led side. Um, where I where I view B two C, 
and the value B2C has to B2B isn't necessarily on the technology side as much as it is the, the brand voice and the simplification of um, the lead flow, the lead process, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I go, I, I, I own a Tesla. It was the one of the better experiences I've had buying a car because it was easy. It was it was like a checkout process, right? Kind of what you were mentioning on people yeah. just buying cars online. Um, I want that experience to be fairly similar to when somebody's trying to get in front of a product, a piece of software, right? So it's the it's the ease of use of the website. It's the it's the tone of voice on the website. I don't want to sound like. I just walked out of a B2B seminar where we're talking about laser focused and alignment and all these coin terms that nobody says in real life. I want it to be human. I want it to be simplified. I want it to, I want my, I want my prospects, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders to understand what we do. Now that's not, that can't be the case for some of the more extremely technical type softwares, but for, for the most case, it, it's it's fairly easy to do. It just takes time and energy. So when I say I want to mimic B2C, it's, it's how they approach business and visuals and how they approach messaging and positioning. Stripe is probably the best example, in my opinion, of, of a company that has done, that has mimicked their customers when it comes to their marketing, because it's so straightforward. It's a technical product, but it's very easy to understand. It's very easy to get in front of somebody. It's very easy to sign up. It just the the um, the, uh, the your ability to buy the product is easy. And I think that's the case. If I have to log in, fill out a huge form to buy a pair of shoes, you're gonna you're, you know that drop off rate is probably fairly large mm-hmm. for a shoe company, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, same goes with software. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I would would add to that. It's it's like if you if you're in a B two B environment, I think talking about the specific call to action uh, a demo, which is used a lot in in SaaS companies, of course. So the the ultimate CDA always is a is a or call to action is always a a demo, um, but it's typically aimed to basically be able to speak to a customer to get a BDR or SDR. To be able to speak to the customer and not to the aim is typically not to help the customer. So right. how often have you been in a demo in which you were thinking, like, hey, they could have just recorded this on YouTube? I could have seen this like generic piece on YouTube or a Vimeo or whatsoever. You're not adding any value. Whereas if you if you're looking at it from a helping perspective or adding value, that that step could be used very well to have a tailor-made demo or to specifically prepare yeah, yourself. Yeah. It's, it happens. It happens more than I would care to admit, honestly. I, you know, you know, I'm in a, a earlier on in my career, it was, I had that thought more often. Now when I'm brought into buying environments, it's usually tailor-made because I'm the last, I'm basically the person that says yes or no. And mm-hmm. my team has vetted it. Right. But you know, when I, my first VP of marketing role was at Lessonly in 2017, like that, those, that was pretty rough when it came to, you know, outreach and then I get on a demo and the rep had no idea who I was or why they were on the call, you know, and that type of stuff. 
I think with time, companies, you know, either die or they succeed based off of their ability to personalize the experience as much as possible. And, you know, I I think that, I think that's another takeaway for, for, for like the B2C brands. If you, if you use a Shopify store, you know, it connect, it's so much easier to use than all the other vendors. Mm -hmm. And that's why they, that's why Shopify is Shopify. Right. So you know, I, I think personalization whenever possible, depending on sales cycles, depending on, you know, in a, in a 15 grand average contract value, 20 day sales cycle, you probably shouldn't have reps. You mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have people because you can't justify the efficiency number, right? You can't justify the cost, but you know, overall, I think it's all about personalization. Absolutely. How do you and- customize it? Absolutely. And I, I think Seismic is doing a great job there as well. I was just uh, talking to one of your, um, I think, BDRs uh, the other day, and we were planning a demo for someone that that's interested in uh, in seeing the platform because customers always want to see or prospects want to see what Definitely. they're buying, right? But on the other hand, we, we, we want to identify which four or five main questions the customer has and what what do they want to see in this demo because typically in in b2b software is complicated and chances are pretty big that you're going to give them a demo about stuff that they don't care about you know they don't yeah, care 100%. about the whole product suite they, they care about solving their problem and how they can do that and the only thing the only way you can do that is by knowing you know their 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 pain points beforehand absolutely and that's why that's why software like consensus or repree have have really are really interesting because you can do customized pretty much personalized demos on your website without talking to people like it's mm-hmm. like a product walkthrough cool. um pendo has a great example of that on their website where you can basically use the product without signing up or anything so uh you know i i believe that make it easier to buy, make it personalized, make it usable. And and that's the companies that succeed in the long run. Cool. So um, I have two questions left. First of all, um, just for the listeners, and we, we, we asked this question uh, in in a a lot of the interviews, but um, what, what uh, tech stack are you using currently at Seismic? What are some of the products that that you are enthusiastic about? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's whatever makes my team's days easier. Right. And we, we are a heavy user of monday.com when it comes to project management. I love the Adobe creative suite. We use it quite often. Uh, we also, um, we also use Marketo Salesforce, uh, more of the traditional side and then, you know, zoom info for data management. Um, you know, but for me, Monday.com is one, you know, keeps everybody together, keeps everybody on track. And then of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to toot our own horn, but we use seismic every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use, we use lessonly every day when it comes to enablement on campaigns or when it comes to training on a new uh, positioning or messaging. So, um, but for us, I would say, other than the reporting side of it, which would be Tableau, we use, you know, we, we use Monday quite a bit. Mm-hmm, absolutely. 
Absolutely cool. So uh, that automatically basically leads to my last question because um, you're, you're a user of Seismic yourself, of course, but what advice would you have for marketers that are listening and are thinking about starting to use sales enablement within their organization? The most important thing you can do as a marketer, especially if you have a heavy content engine, is train train sales on how to talk to a prospect. If you have a research report or you have an ebook and you are generating marketing qualified leads from this content and that person goes to the sales rep and the sales rep has no idea what is in the content that that person downloaded or the webinar they went to or the event they went to, you're going to lose in conversion rate, in my opinion. The best thing you can do as a marketing team is streamline the training that you are doing with your sales team. And you can do that through enablement. You can do that through sales enablement with training and coaching, content management, giving them personalized content that they could use to drive sales, you know, deal velocity. There's tons of stuff to do it, but marketers need to be involved. It's not, hey, we're involved in the onboarding of new, we're involved in the onboarding of new employees. It is we are training our sales team on a weekly basis on com- competitors, win-loss analysis, persona changes, like industry changes. How do you build an account plan? Like all that stuff needs to be driven either by enablement or driven by marketing through enablement. And that's where you will see success, in my opinion, is if you are, and it also forces alignment, which as companies scale, it becomes even harder to do aligning like all the customer facing teams see you know all the go-to-market teams basically cs sales and marketing mm-hmm. thank you so much for that advice kyle it was great having you i appreciated having you on the marketing technology podcast and i hope to have you back in future thank you so much it was a pleasure thanks for listening to this episode of the marketing technology podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or itunes Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.